Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of The Courageous Path, a podcast you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes, uh, in which I interview people I find inspiring and hope that also might help provide you with some words of wisdom and a new perspective on your own life. You can find me, Rachel Horton White, with Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting on soulfulworkconsulting.com and you can subscribe or follow the podcast at SoundCloud or iTunes. Today I am so blessed to share an interview with an incredible man named Seth Leaf Prozanski. And Seth uh, was born into this world with the ability to interpret deeply profound universal wisdom directly from his soul. And he's learned through his life to masterfully articulate this knowing in a way that benefits those desperately looking for real answers to the big questions in life. Seth has spent countless hours in meditation since he was a child, including a forced and extended meditation retreat in a monastery, otherwise known as federal prison. He has taken the development of his inner state and applied it successfully to the world at large through consciouspreneurship as a business owner. He has published several books, and one is called the Ret- A Return to Enlightenment, The Journey from Source and Back Again. He is the co-owner and founder of an organic raw food snack company called Living Nuts, as well as a company called Tourmaline Spring, the highest quality, most ethically produced water, bottled water on earth. Seth has a blog at theuniversalobserver.com. He is a vocalist for In the Wind and also a co-host of Soul Sandbox, a podcast video show exploring personal and collective universal themes that we all deal with on a daily basis. Join me for this conversation with Seth on the nature of our reality, our perception and awareness of the state of being around us, and on, on some thoughts of Seth on how we can get out of the suffering that is the nature of the um, human experience that we all go through in this planet. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, Seth. Good afternoon. Thank you for chatting with me. I'm so excited to meet you in person and um, talk with a kindred spirit. So, um, let's see. I think the first thing that's coming well that I wanted to tell you and tell people who are listening is that I how I came across you I think it was on Facebook which I thought was really interesting but you know it's like when we um, we notice sometimes those who we you know who like we're resonating with in a similar way and so much of what you know I know you've written a book and you have a website and you have you've been sharing you've been getting a message out there and it and it, I feel like that's very similar to what I believe I'm being compelled to do. Yeah. Um, and so it's just such an honor to meet you and to share, hear some of your wis- words of wisdom. So, um, yeah, along those lines, can you talk a little bit about what it, what kind of message or what it, you know, what's compelling you to do the talk, the speaking, and the sharing that you're doing, and what it's rooted in? what it's about. 
Yeah, it's a very, first of all, thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. And it's actually nice to sit here in person with you as opposed to on the phone or Skype or the internet or, yeah. you know, whatever technology is available to us to do this stuff, yeah. which is interesting because a lot of kind of the question what you just asked, like, where's this coming from? It's coming from a place of the recognition that there's a tremendous imbalance in reality. And that the only way to restore this imbalance that, you know, we're experiencing as a species in relation to the rest of the planet is to kind of restore this balance within us first. Yes. So a lot of my work kind of comes out of that. But ultimately, it's like this whole thing with technology and everything. Our technology is really kind of quickly surpassing our own humanity mm -hmm. and our own ability to relate with each other the world, but especially ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my stuff comes from spending many, many hours, countless hours in meditation and in self-observation, but also in observing others in the world, observing the human condition and doing it in a way where not observing it like in a, in the kind of a context of, Oh, this is what I think they're doing. And I think they're doing that just observing it by witnessing it without any thoughts, beliefs, preconceived notions, anything at all as to what's going on, but just observing it for exactly what it is. And when you do that for long enough, there's a part of you that intuitively becomes aware of what other people do that is either in alignment with reality, the greater reality as it actually exists, or in sharp contrast to it. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit of Eckhart Tolle. Do you know him? Absolutely. Absolutely. He spent a year like sitting on a park bench mm -hmm. or something, like just observing people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I did it in prison. I went <laughs> to federal prison and sat there for three years and observed people. So. And that, I think you, I remember reading that in uh, one of your biographies and I like how you called it like forced meditation. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's just an incredible, incredible story. Can you talk about that? I mean, I don't whatever you feel like sharing, the, yeah. the medit you chose to, instead of to do something else, to spend your hours in meditation, which seems like it woke, it awakened you. Yeah, I mean, what it really was essentially, and, and for the sake of time, I'll try to condense this, there's so many different angles and facets and things that relate to this that I could go into, but yeah. for the point of staying on track with this, you know, for me, the things that I talk about and the awareness that I have isn't, isn't like really anything that just came out of a breakthrough in this life. It's something that I'm confident all human beings are born with. Mm -hmm. And for me as a young child, I was hyper aware of the things which I suggest and speak about now. However, because I, the first seven years of my life, I just was lucky enough to be raised in a supportive environment that kind of, unknowingly nurtured that part of myself. Um, my parents didn't nurture it, my family, my friends, like nobody in there actually knew what I was doing and they didn't know how to encourage my awareness and exploration and expression of that yeah. inner self. But I did as a young child, I knew it, I knew it very well, I was very aware of it and I would very often dwell in that place of really essentially identifying with myself as a conscious being 
existing in my body. Instead of just, oh, this is me, Seth, this person. I'm this kid, I'm living out in the world and I'm doing this. I didn't identify with the outward expression of the way things appeared to be more than I did the inward awareness of what it actually is. And what I mean by that is our very own consciousness, our perception of reality is kind of the source from which we perceive everything in the world around us. And if we're not very, very intrinsically aware of what that source is, then it's hard for us to perceive reality, the outer world around us, in a way that's in accordance with reality, the way it actually is. Mm -hmm. So as a young child, I was very, very aware of this. I focused on this. I stayed in that place because it felt amazing. It felt right. It was just a natural extension of my consciousness. But as I grew older, I lost touch with that. No one around me encouraged it because they don't know themselves, you know? And slowly, bit by bit, I began to detach from that part of myself, almost like being deceived by the world, even though I don't think the world's intentionally trying to deceive us. It's just the human world doesn't really know better, essentially. That's what it comes down to, which will lead into all that conspiracy stuff later, which I have a very different perspective than a lot of people do on that. But as a result of that, I became detached. I became tricked. I allowed myself to be a victim of the way the world appeared to be instead of the way it actually was. And so throughout, from that point on, I tossed and turned and fell apart and put myself together and, you know, got to the point where I just dropped out of society and instead of being homeless and going out on the streets, I was homeless and went out into the woods Hmm. where I felt would be my actual home. And there I just basically put my foot down and demanded to know why I existed. And if I couldn't know why, then I didn't want to live in my current state of being as it was then. Had a tremendous, what people refer to as awakening, which is really just awareness of reality as it actually is. But then realized the tremendous responsibility that it would take for me to live and maintain that type of integrity. And knowing that I just wasn't, I was a kid, I was 18 when that happened, Mm. you know. To me, that's good. So I wasn't ready. And then from that point forward, I just lived in a way where I knew, I kind of always knew I was going to have to confront that part of myself, but I didn't want to. And so I became very materialistic and I became very engaged in the world, the way society seemed to be functioning on the surface, knowing the whole time that once you know about these things, these inner truths, you know that it's only a matter of time, no matter what you put up in front of you or no matter what you engage in before you brought back to it. So I did that. I got in trouble. I was selling pot. Didn't have to be. I had all kinds of great legitimate things going on. But as an entrepreneur, a consciouspreneur as we're calling it these days, I guess, I I made, I just did something that, you know, I didn't need to do, but I did it and my heart wasn't in it. I didn't have the belief about it that I had when I was younger because I used to love marijuana and the whole thing. And as a result, I went to federal prison. I got a five-year sentence. Um, insane. And I went in there. I mean, that's just an insane, like, sentence for something that is a plant that yeah. will probably be widely used, and they'll laugh at us in the future and be like, that was illegal? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it sounds like that, I mean, I'm not, I, well, here's my question, I guess. Um, that experience, it sounds like that experience in prison shaped you in many ways and maybe do you view that as like 
I mean, is it hard? It's hard to say things are positive or negative, but I'm just curious how you do that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. um, it was a very, very necessary part in my own growth as a human being because I was in prison for years and years before I was physically incarcerated. <laughs> literally, yes. literally, mentally, emotionally, physically, I had health issues emotional issues with the way I related to myself in the world and all of that just kind of it creates these neural networks and pathways in the brain that kind of act almost like a prison like chains you know like it really keeps you enslaved in that many of us are like that well and we all are to a degree <laughs> yeah until we recognize the processes that lead us into that then we're not aware how to undo it or recreate new processes that are very liberating and, yes. and have the opposite effect. Yep. So when in that environment, you know, at first from the surface appearance, it's like, oh my God, I ruined my life. I'm in hell. This is evil. What did I do? And, you know, and just witnessing just the sheer stupidity around me and, and the brutality of it, you know, the viciousness and just, you really see people Maybe not necessarily at their worst, but definitely on the edge of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like a version of what hell might be like. More <laughs> like, like a purgatory. Purgatory. It's that like in between place, exactly. Yeah. I mean, hell would be outright bloody murder, chaos, and then the root of what that actually is mm -hmm. manifested into reality. Mm -hmm. This those things would come out, but this was much more of that in-between state, like, okay. Here's where big decisions need to be made. Yeah. You're going up, you're going to spiral up, or you're going to spiral down, and it's your choice kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I did the only thing I could do, which, because I wasn't going to engage with the people around me and play cards and sit there and watch prison TV shows while I'm sitting in prison and argue and fight and complain and all. I wasn't going to do that. I'm not. I just don't have it in me to be like that. So I did the only thing I could is sit in my cube, my cell, and just face myself. And it was so difficult because there were so many layers of things that I had to confront. And I knew I had to confront those things and really understand them for what they were. And But I didn't have a choice, I felt at the time. I did, I had a choice, but it, for me it was obvious. I had to do this work. And so I did it and I began the process of refining all my mental, emotional, physical layers, everything, and coming to terms with all of it. And interestingly, when just going through all that stuff and being aware of what it actually truly is that holds you back, there's a tremendous amount of peace and self-liberation that comes out of it. And it's really kind of basic and simple, actually, when you get down to it. How far into your time there did you experience that? Took like a year and a half. Okay. Took a while. Interesting. Because I couldn't, it, it's funny, as, as much as we know, like no matter what kind of awakening or experience of bliss and peace we can experience in these lives as these human beings, we can just as easily forget the intensity of the, that experience or where it comes from because the world is very dense and it's very misleading and, you know, seemingly what we're trying to connect through isn't very abundant in human consciousness around us at a base level. It is down deep. The more you refine all this stuff and get to it, you find it there. But in human consciousness, as it currently is right now, 
there isn't a lot of deep contemplative awareness that's kind of bringing in the outer and inner realities that exist. And it's funny too, because when you think about it, like talking like this, people might perceive it in different ways, but what is reality? You know, like, like really, really consider it from a, a micro or a macro level, like from the smallest level to the greatest. You know, right underneath this building, there's probably a colony of ants and worms and all these different organisms, bacteria that they're having their own way and they don't really care that much about what we're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yet that's reality. It's going on right under our feet. And at the same time, you look up into the sky at night, you know, and you ponder the stars and knowing that the universe itself is in this expansive state, what does that have to do with who we are right here, in a lot of ways, it should have everything to do. But in reality, it does have everything to do with it. But the part of it that isn't in alignment with that is us as a species aware of it. Because we're not aware of that point of ourselves, we're not living in balance with reality as it actually exists, which is crazy because reality is going on above us, below us, everywhere. But we block ourselves from our greater awareness of it. So coming to this realization and just feeling that for long enough, because I would drift in and out. Once I started really getting down to the heart of this stuff and working at it and finding, I would drift in and out of these states. You know, I would be in it and feel how actually connected I always was, is, and will be to everything. And then realizing that I can just as easily be disconnected from it. And in that self-observation, really trying to get to the root of why. And from there, everything happens. It must have been pretty amazing. Like, you know, it's like the entertainment of your, of your mind or just, you know, it's not your, maybe your conscious mind, but your subconscious mind. Or you're channeling something else that was provide. Do you believe that? Providing you with some wisdom? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, again, it's almost like I wasn't actually necessarily channeling it because it is reality no matter what. Like, and it's always there no matter what. And really all I was doing was just kind of, you know, thinning the veil. I was just kind of refining the layers of myself it, yeah. that blocks yeah. my own, you know, perceptive yeah. awareness of it, you know. And, and I have to go into this thing of, like, human perception is so much like a muscle. It's exactly like, you know, if you go out and you exercise and you build muscle and you lift weights and you do stuff, human perception is very much like that. Yeah. Where if you don't exercise your ability to perceive things as they actually are, infused with your own imagination, because that's how we create things as more in alignment as we would like them to be with the support of this greater whole, then that perceptive ability atrophies. Mm -hmm. And so most human beings are walking around in a state of perceptive atrophy. Mm -hmm. They're wow. just really in that's, that state. That's a brilliant term. Yeah. And it's like it's pe most people lack the awareness that they're in that state in the first place. So it's like this catch-22 cycle, right? Very much so. And right. it's one that the more we as individuals believe that and subscribe yeah. to it, and the more yeah. everyone else around us does that, right. the more we create, right. we reinforce that personal and collective belief, and the more it kind of enslaves us. Yeah. I feel like people are, um, well, with the whole shift that I believe we're experiencing in our consciousness, that people are here and there just 
wait, and I say, you know, waking up sounds a little like condescending, I guess, but just becoming they're 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 um, opening to that awareness. Um, yeah, tourmalines. Yes. There you go. <laughs> you have people can't see this, but you're drinking your tourmaline spring water that you is your one of your business. Can I see it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sacred living water. I didn't bring any for you. Oh, okay. I'll get it. I can because so isn't it in like uh, some major stores? Yeah. yeah. Well, is it? I don't. I sometimes go to Whole Foods, but yeah, it's there. Portland food co-op. Yeah, it's there too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. All right, well, tourmaline spring. Um, <laughs> Purest bottle of water. The there we go. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I feel like people are um, are wanting to tap into that collective shared consciousness and awareness of, like, you know, you say, and it's funny because I think I love your perspective and I'm learning from it too. And it's, and it's funny because I think I have my own, you know, take on things too. And I love, I love how we all just express it differently a little bit, you know, and there's of course religions, which I think do some of that, although there's another separate thing there too. But uh, anyway, it's just like we have that shared consciousness and those of us different, we use different words to describe it. It's but your words are, yeah, yeah, your words are really inspiring. And um, yeah. Um, I think that I think it's I, it's clear that you're, you know, I believe that you're really going to help people. Yeah, you probably already are. Well, a lot of it's like this. It's like okay, the more we become aware of this stuff, the more we self-actualize it in our own lives, the more we feel obligated to do it in the world. Because you just said it. I mean, yeah, I have my own way of expressing it, but you know, that's really not as big a deal as it seems like because. The beauty of this is that there's something that unifies all of us and it's a part of us that we're all connected to and that we can all interact with but life itself the beauty of life is that it's always trying to grow and express itself in different ways and those who are paying attention to this greater possibility that they actually are this miracle of life that each and every one of us are right here right now our hearts are beating our lungs are breathing Thoughts are rising in our mind. It's a miracle that we are even alive in these bodies. Mm -hmm. So when somebody really, really becomes aware of that and lives from that place, even though there's a part of us that's connected to all things great and small, there's our own individuality. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it. Because when we really become aware of kind of the core part of us that is unified throughout all space and time, this individuality in us, our own unique talents, gifts, abilities, become enhanced, augmented, and supported mm -hmm. by this deeper awareness. And that's where true self-growth and service comes out. Yeah. Nice. So, um, just something that was coming up for me when you're talking was a lot of people right now feel a lot of fear and, um, uh, just, I think fear is the best word, but you know, just discontent, I guess, and um, maybe even unhappiness about what's happening in the world, and wondering what your perspective is on that. You know, where, how can people see the glimmers of hope, which we know are there, but how, can, how do you think people can 
or what, what's your perspective on that situation happening for one and how people can see the glimmers of hope? So in a lot of ways, we are stuck in this really kind of limited fear-based discontent kind of perspective based the way the world got to be so chaotic, you know, it, many things can be said about it, but ultimately you could kind of say that the, the root of why all this dysfunction exists in the world is because personally, culturally, collectively, we have all, both as individuals and as a species, lost our ability. You know, we're, we're in this state of perceptive atrophy, you know, we're not paying attention to the core of what we really are. We're only paying attention to the outward appearance of the way things seem to be. And because of that, we're not living in alignment with the greatest reality, the greater reality. So this process has been affecting us all and it goes back generationally into antiquity, probably further than any of us even know or can be aware of. So when you think about how we come into this world as babies, as children, and we grow up and we exist and, you know, we have this awe and wonder, it's alive and well. Then the people around us, they grew up and they lost theirs because other people told them this version of the way they thought reality was. And so this is passed down from generation to generation, going through, through generations, countless generations, and it becomes accepted as self-evident and normal. And it really isn't very normal. It, it's become normal from a human perspective, but is it really normal from a more universal perspective? No, it's just not. It's not. So why do people kill and beat and maim and hurt and death, fire, pain, destruction, chaos? This, why does all that happen? Because people are living for themselves, their ego, who they believe they are, what they think this world is, from the outside in instead of from the inside out. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it is that we stem from. We don't know the essence of our own existence and we don't know that we're actually truly connected. And that when you hurt another or something, you're hurting yourself. Even if you kill and maim someone, sure, it's gonna, you're, what you're doing to yourself is ultimately what you will confront and deal with. And that's the real work the absolute real world. This, this world is a perfect accounting system regardless of how aware we are as individuals or not. And we all face that. And unfortunately, most people don't face it until the time of their death. And then it all comes up at once. And it's, mm -hmm. but that's a whole other story. So how do we get out of this suffering that seemingly is probably the result of generational dissociation with reality? Look at the bigger picture. That's the first step. Like really, really look at the bigger picture. Again, like right below our feet, nature is there. Even though we're destroying it and polluting it and everything, it's still there. It's still persisting. It's still going on. And it doesn't care what we think or who we think we are. Same thing. Look up in space. Like the solar system, the galaxy, the universes, these things are all going on and they're all a part of who we are. You know, it's funny, people go, oh, things out there don't have anything to do with here. They don't, really? You you can feel the sun, right? That's 93 million miles away. Isn't that affecting? Oh, exactly. Right. These things, every, so all of this stuff has everything to do with why we're here. But because our perception is so boxed into this little tiny view of what it appears to be in our immediate vicinity, yeah. 
we believe it and it's it's not real right. compared to what's the greater reality yeah. what's actually going on it seems like uh, I listen to Elizabeth Gilbert a lot and she talks about um, this that we are born and there are all these strange jewels hidden within ourselves that it's almost like it's our job in life to find them and it's almost like, you know, if you're using that analogy, some people never find them. A lot of people never find them. Maybe until their deathbed, they find something that looks like it somewhere down there. But now, talking about the generational thing, you know, as a parent, I'm a parent and you're a parent, you know, it's like our children have this, it makes me like emotional, just think about it. Our children have this gift from us that we are going to be able to, you know, we're going to change that. Because they might ask questions and we can say to them, you know, we can be open and honest with them. And instead of trying to, you know, squash down their beauty <laughs> or their, you know, inner self and make it conform to what we see around us, it's like, no, this is real. And you're right. Like, keep that and foster that. And, uh, and it's so that, I'm just answering my own question, you know, but that's like, maybe that's where the hope is, is that next generation, that that's all they're going to know. In some ways, they'd be like, what were those lunatics doing hundreds of years ago? Those poor people, you know? <laughs> they shouldn't have to work as hard for it as right. we do right now, you yeah. know? Because it's a natural function of reality, of their own consciousness. It's there. Mm -hmm. But I know, believe me, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to mine, to look for jewels. Right. You're and a miner. I'm a miner. I mine the gems. And guess what? Why most people don't do it? It's hard work. You're literally, literally like working your ass off, like hard, hard work. But beautiful analogy. Guess what's even it. harder? Mining the minds yeah. of our minds, and that's where the yeah. true gems are. But it's harder work, not necessarily harder from a physical. You know, I'm gonna jackhammer and drill and dig. It's because a lot of us we don't know how to do the work, mm -hmm. and the work actually is very simple, mm -hmm. and it's. It's not even that it's hard, it's just that there needs to be a level of passion, commitment, mm -hmm. and then that and consistency. Yeah, persevering. And I mean, you had like the monastery, you know, like you were in a, it's almost like you were in a monastery That's for absolutely years. Absolutely what it was, yeah. And a lot of people would never, you know, choose to do that because they don't see the immediate benefits. I, we all want the short term, but you did that, and you, I mean, it's like the quieting the mind, that's why I call it, you know, it's meditation, but it's like that's the, Honestly, I believe that's like the tool, the key to the lock. <laughs> you said going, it. I mean, everybody's yeah. looking for this quick fix and we all, and that's part of like, you know, the greatest crime against humanity is to become civilized in a lot of ways because we have this belief that everything happens fast, but you know, it, for it to happen that's in a really sustainable kind of way, it usually doesn't happen fast, you know, does does the evolution of a stream turning into a river or, you know what I mean? Or Sorry, it's the other way around. Do things in nature happen really fast? Not overall. Within little segments they do. And when they do happen really fast, chaos mm -hmm. ensues. Mm -hmm. Not to say that this all isn't going on for a reason or that there's immediate potential and benefit in it because it probably is. Yes. And it's almost like I think we were given a choice in our society several times to make a shift and we, we did we chose not to which I think is interesting like we can make conscious choices but 
and so I, I do tarot readings. Is why I keep thinking, and I and I try not to. I'm hesitant to say it, but I'll say it anyway. You know, I keep thinking of the tower card, mm -hmm. which is like almost like a wake up. It doesn't feel good at the moment, but it's needed to let go of what's no longer serving you and see the brighter, happier way that comes. Yep. So, um, so all right. I just want to like ask you a couple more, like shifting to the practical side. So you, I mean, it's like you're similar to me in the, the way, the sense that I feel that you're, you have this very spiritual metaphysical side, but you're also a business person, a consciouspreneur, you're a musician. So how do you, uh, how do those two worlds merge for you, you know, in terms of like you're developing this successful spring water and I know you have another like raw nuts business. I mean, how does that work? So it's funny because people think that to be spiritual, you can't be materialistic or to be materialistic. Right. We have all these diabolical opposing views that aren't real. They're, yeah. they're just another way for us to separate, isolate, and you know create this manufactured version of reality that actually isn't in accordance with reality. Yeah. So what I've discovered is, okay, it's, it's a very multifaceted thing. By really choo truly choosing to commit to this inner part of myself, I experienced two things simultaneously. And this is what I'm talking like to have the passion to recognize that whatever this inner state is, it's more important than the suffering that I'm feeling around me or the whatever, or even the pleasures that I feel around me. This inner state is more important. Mm -hmm. And so when I commit to that with passion and love it, enjoy it, and commit to it and develop it and just keep going with consistency, even whatever, we're all gonna mess up and stumble and fall back. Mm -hmm. But I just I'm a big boy. I get up, I dust yeah. off my knees, and I keep going. You so, big time. <laughs> as a result of that, yeah. two things happen. Two amazing things. One, yes, you experience this bliss and transcendence of the reality of what you actually are. But at the, so it's like you you go out, but at the same time you really ground in, and it creates this balance. And that's a lot of it. We should be able to transcend the limits of our own suffering, while at the same time, like a tree, like you know, growing roots deep into the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's not about trying to get out of this world because it sucks. It's about trying to dissociate with the part of you that suffers in order to truly live in this world in a grounded and meaningful and practical way. Mm -hmm. And I can absolutely say that that's what happens by me committing to that and kind of putting it into my heart, mind, soul, all of it. But that's more important than everything. Then as a result of that, I kind of always stay in that place. And this balance between these seemingly two different worlds, which aren't different at all, they're the same world, my awareness of it becomes stronger. My ability to function within it becomes stronger. So that's the number one thing. But then also your intuition, your thought process, everything begins to work better because you're supported by the actual essence of what you are. Yeah. So you're going to make practical decisions. Okay, I can I can sit around on my couch and do nothing all day and complain about the government or my neighbor or be a victim and do all this stuff. Or I can just not do that. Mm -hmm. Take care of the little things around me that are just too self-complacent and lazy to do before. And then as long as you take care of those little things and you commit to taking care of those little things, the big things kind of start to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not like, you know, everybody wants this like forced enlightenment or this, you know, or even just 
all of a sudden I want to start making more money. You're out like you got to realize like most breakthroughs don't just all of a sudden. All right, it's a breakthrough because I used the law of attraction and I manifested it. Right. Doesn't it's, work that way. It, I mean, it usually doesn't. Every right. once in a while, somebody wins right. the lottery, but you right. know the other side of that. They yeah. lose everything because they yeah. don't know what that, you know? So yeah. it's learning yeah. skills, yeah. practical skills with a much broader awareness of who you are in relation to the, the whole, you know? And as a result of that, you slowly chip away at it and you slowly make decisions. This isn't going to happen overnight until a breakthrough will occur. But it usually will occur as a result of you really committing to doing this and building it up to a point where it then happens. Yeah. You know, success, somebody said success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Yeah, that's a beautiful phrase. It, it's fantastic. But that's it. You got to realize that you are the worthy ideal. Right. You, who you are in this world with all your idiosyncrasies, with all your dysfunction, you're worth it because how are you going to make the world a better place if you really don't commit to making yourself better? How are you going to get up there and, and tell others what you think they should or should be, shouldn't be doing if you're not also doing those things? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's funny because some people ask selfish. Absolutely, it's selfish. Absolutely. <laughs> but being selfish is also, it's like everything. There's different meanings and different values to everything. Am I being selfish because I really actually love the essence of what I am and I love the essence of what you are and what this world is mm -hmm. and I want everybody to kind of come to that critical mass where we all recognize that? Yes, yes, that is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if other people are gonna say, well, this, because usually they're <laughs> saying that stuff because they suffer, they don't feel good. And yeah. really, they're kind of pointing the finger at you because they want to wake up calm. They want someone to call it like it is because it helps them. Yeah. Helps them grow. Yeah. And I think um, that's, man, there's so many like nuggets of amazing things you're saying. And I think I, in my experience, I know that people, um, we naturally resist growth and change because it's hard. And anything that kind of tells us that or, is, you know, exemplifying that, sometimes we, resi we resist that thing too. And... But I think it's happening less and less, so that's like the good news. And and, um, and I think you know, just people hearing what you're saying about you know focusing on yourself, it's okay. It's not selfish. Like like the whole air put the airplane mask first in yourself, and then the one next to you. Common right? sense, right? Yeah, right. If you can't take care of yourself, I can take care of anybody else. I would love to go into more about because I, I think I know I can. A lot of the stuff can be overwhelming to some people and like dense and just a lot of information. But ultimately, like if I could refine this whole process down and really simplify it, all it is at its base is habits. That's yeah. all it really is. It's like when you understand that when you're aware of what you're doing, you're creating habits that can benefit you. You know, you choose to do habits that don't benefit you. But this process of habit building is working for or against you regardless of anything going on. So when you recognize that and you realize that all that's happening by repetitiously engaging in a type of behavior over and over again, you're going to create a neural network in your brain that supports you continuing to do that. I mean, this is a whole other show. I could get way yeah. deep into this and explain it, yep. but it's that simple. It's right. really that simple. Use the power of habit formation to benefit you yep. or 
watch it destroy you. Yeah, exactly. Right. The power of medicine, like the neuroscience. I mean, we've talked about like the quant. You know, it's like neuroscience, quantum physics, all those things. The science of it is real. So I'm just looking at the time. I can't even believe it's already flown by. But um, and I know you're a musician too. We haven't even talked about that. But um, I'm just wondering, you know, any like parting words of wisdom of, that you could share, or like things that people listening now can grasp onto and do in their lives that you would recommend? <laughs> Change your perception. Exercise your um, exercise your perceptive awareness. You know, one thing I happen to say a lot, and I think it's really, really important, and it may go over a lot of people's heads, but it may not. Learn to change the way you perceive the nature of reality. And what I mean by that, when you consider that the brain is literally creating electrical signals, your your whole body is literally like so. Your brain is creating electrical signals. It's sending it throughout your spinal column, into all the organs of your body. Your cells are powered by electricity. I mean, just contemplating that and considering how like insane that is, like amazing, like incredible. We are producing electricity. And then recognizing that whatever it is inside of us, somehow this phenomenon of consciousness is you know, allowing, facilitating the ability for electricity to be produced in our body then we kind of get this feeling that maybe our consciousness itself is almost like a precursor, precursor to electricity, to energy. And when you start really perceiving your own self as an energy-based being, as opposed to just a physical, materialistic thing that we all think things appear to be at base level, then we become much more aware of our true nature because it is energy-based and it's not energy like okay we can you know it, it's something that we can experience directly we're never going to be able to rationalize it until we begin to experience it directly yeah then we can yeah so yeah. that's i'll leave you with that yeah today. that's beautiful thank you so much seth yes so thanks honored. for having me yeah.